Y'all look gorgeous. Gorgeous. Um, well, level of holiness. It's funny you should say that because uh, recently we were driving along in the car and there are six children and um, the one of them was in the back and had just kind of, they just kind of been sniffing at each other. You know how it goes. And, um, and I was just at the, whew, I was just not feeling it. And so all of a sudden, I was telling my mama this story about my brother. I was like, oh, he's just, hel-. like, I was telling her a good thing. He helped this friend of mine. He reached out. I was so proud of him. And I hear from the back, mom, the Bible says that you shouldn't gossip. And I was like, well, the Bible also says that you shouldn't eavesdrop. And then my mom, like, is right there, and she goes, where is that? And I was like, I don't know, it just came out. So I don't know if level of holiness is misquoting the Bible, but there I am. And it was in First Hesitations, chapter 3, if you need that for later. But uh, apparently it's not in there. Uh, but what about tonight? You got, like, an Adele concert right at the beginning? Oh, my goodness. All these ladies, so talented. James and Cody, I, was, like, I really believe they are the most like, fully equipped couple on, on the entire New Life Church staff. They have done every single job at New Life, and I've watched them do it. I've known them for about 13 years now, and they are the real deal. I used to babysit London. I'd put her in little, her little bouncer, and I'd sing songs to you like this. <laughs> that, was, that was before I had kids, so I was really energetic, and now I'm tired. So I'm sorry. But, um, and then Emily Pendergrass, she made six of these little babies <laughs> for my babies. Isn't that sweet? Here's a picture of my, my family. But, um, so she made these for my family, and I'm going to bring them home to my uh, babies and have everybody gather around them, take a picture on Instagram, and be like, oh, look what I made. I just made these for everyone. It was amazing. It was so, so crafty, full, full of Pinterest. Um, but actually, I think I actually need to like, post a picture of me like weeping in my closet, because <laughs> that, that is what my real life is about. So I love being here. I love it. This is, these, are, these are my favorite moments. And just to get to stand up here in front of you, what an honor. What an honor. After, I feel like we could just go home right now, you know? We've, we've, we've already heard these incredible words from the Lord. And um, I'm just, I'm a hot mess, though. I am sorry. I'm a hot. Recently, I sent, uh, is anybody going to Dirt Cheap? Anyone? Okay. Oh, let's pray. Let's pray. Yes. I love the Dirt Cheap. So I have a like a compulsive disorder, and anytime there's, there you know the carts that they fill, they sell for ten dollars or five dollars. Oh, I love them! I love them! I'm like, bah, I'm gonna buy that cart. So I I recently bought a cart full of St. Patrick's Day items, and I, I was so excited about them. I got them home. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna divvy these up. I'm gonna look like the best homeroom mom. I'm not the homeroom mom. And uh, and so I I'm like divvying up for the school. Can we get a oh who's the teacher in here? Praise Jesus. Yes, everyone lay hands on them. Thank you. Spring breaker, no, I didn't me in. I was like, go on to school. I'm sorry, I'm not as holy. Is it Liz? Is that right? Not, I'm not holy like Liz. Like, get, get on there. Go ahead. Thank you, teachers. And so I send these St. Patrick's Day items to school. I'm so proud of these things. Put them in the treasure box for everybody. Because I'm sorry, I did have, we had a four, two, and one-year-old, and then we had triplets. So I'm sorry, that is how we have all the children all really close together. So everybody's there. And uh, so I send these bags full of um, St. Patrick's Day items, and I get texts, multiple texts from teachers, and it's pictures of students, and I didn't, I didn't sort through this stuff. And, uh, and so they, I, the, my favorite was the kids with the beads with the shot glass on the end of it. <laughs> I was like, woo, first grade! 
And uh, I was like, I am so sorry. And she was like, I love that it's my pastor's wife that sent the shot glasses to the school. So I, if I'm really sorry about that, that's, this is who you're dealing with tonight. But um, so I sent the shot glasses to the school. Please don't email me. I did not do it on purpose. I am really sorry. And so um, but I just have to tell you, I'm a hot mess, but recently I lost hope. In the last few years, I had lost hope. Um, I, we, I have had the six kids. They were all playing. And then all of a sudden, I realized one is missing. Where is Hope? I have a daughter named Hope. I'm looking around for her. I can't find her anywhere. I was looking in the toilets. The triplets at the time, they loved to drink the toilet water, and we just let them. Because it was like a, you know, it's like a immunity builder after you get far enough along. And so can't find her. I enlist the help of all the other children, which well, only one at the time was helpful. No, only, only the, I think, she, I don't know, I think she was six at the time. And so um, I'm, I'm saying, come on, guys, help me find her. And I'm starting to sweat a little bit and panic and feeling a little dizzy. I'm like, where is she? And um, finally, one of the, the four-year-old at the time, he goes, well, we'll have to get a new baby. We lost her. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, my gosh. So finally find her, happily playing, locked in a closet, and I w- sat down and started weeping, <laughs> weeping. I'm sure you all are better parents than I am, but uh, I have, you probably never lost your kids, but I do quite a bit. And I honestly, I, uh, I didn't lose hope to have a good story to tell you, I lose everyone equally. But tonight, I want to spend some time in Hebrews 6. So if you have a Bible or a device, open to Hebrews 6, and let's see what God's Word says about finding hope in the storms of life. Um, so in the past few years, we've had some storms. So we moved, moving is hard, we moved to Hot Springs, we got pregnant with triplets, and as we moved, a dear friend of ours passed away named Jill, and I could not handle it. I couldn't handle it. These are actually Jill's jeans, so Jill's with us. But, um, and so then we moved to Hot Springs, we had triplets, and all of a sudden, I'm not sleeping. And then I have the you know, four, two, and one-year-old. They're still there. They didn't go away. And um, so then uh, move on about a year and still not sleeping. And um, then we had some tragedy happen in our family. We had some children die. I had a four-year-old cousin who had passed away from brain cancer. And um, he was at Children's. And so... Thank you, nurses. Thank you, people who in the medical field who love on people in their hardest situations. And so then I have a picture of my uh, cousin named Molly. And Molly, we were really, really close. She played basketball at her small Christian university and then got really sick all of a sudden. And it took her life within a couple months. We just found out she was sick. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. It took her life very quickly. And something inside me broke and probably didn't help that I wasn't sleeping but (laughs) so when she passed I just realized all of a sudden I have so much to lose I have so much I I it didn't occur to me until then I know I worried about my kids here and there but all of a sudden it was like a panic I was like something you know the bottom could fall out I didn't know what to do I, I I couldn't function in daily life And at that time, my Nana got sick with meningitis and um, very, very ill. One of my babies passed out uh, because she fell and hit her head, and I about passed out with her. 
Um, I had hernia surgery to fix some of the things that the triplets broke when I got huge gigantic. Um, I got shingles. I went to counseling. And I, you know, every night, for some reason, this, like getting up on stage, I know I'm a weirdo, I'm just so all around weirdo, this did not bother me. I, I, for some reason, this was like a comfort zone. But being home alone with my six kids and cooking dinner and making sure everybody had dinner, 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 bath, 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 you know, bed, individual tuck-ins, I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this, Lord. And what if something were to happen to one of them? I couldn't go on. And so this overwhelming fear came over me. And um, so at this time, I just, I didn't eat very well. That, well, the game we played earlier, I was drinking sweet tea like it was going out of style, but not water. And so I go to the ER, dehydrated, but they think I have a blood clot because I have very severe, uh, I couldn't stand up, very severe symptoms. And so I go into the ER, and I'm sure I'm dying because this is right after Molly's died. So we're talking meltdown. I'm in the ER and, um, and here I am thinking I'm dying. I'm going to leave Corey here on this earth with my six children and bless him. I love him, but I don't know. What man wants to be left with six children? <laughs> and then the casserole women will come and they will line up at the door because he is a cutie. And they're going to say, they're going to come, and, and then he's going to marry one of them, and she will be prettier than me, and I'm going to haunt them. It's like all of this is running in my head. And Corey calls his friend, who's an ER doctor. He comes in on his day off, and I am obviously in full panic mode. And, um, and I start telling Andy, I'm like, I'm like, everything that could possibly be wrong in third grade, this happened, and I don't know if it can be connected to this, what's going on here today. But, um, and so Andy's listening to me, finally, you know, <laughs> dismisses me, and uh, he's like, I think that, you know, you're just dehydrated, so we get in the car to leave. I'm like, after I've totally embarrassed myself, and, uh, and we get in the car to leave, and my husband goes, I wish you didn't tell my buddy Andy about your hemorrhoids. <laughs> and I was like, well... I didn't know if it had something to do with me dying because there's issues down there. And then it could have been a tumor or something. And so then, like, now I'll see Andy at church. Like, I see him a lot. And I'm like, Andy, the Lord heals. Just want to let you know. I'm all healed up. All healed up. <laughs> so, but if I was honest with myself, I was not trusting God. I was allowing the enemy a foothold in my life. I was allowing the enemy a foothold in, the, in my life. And in the midst of my chaos and struggling with my beliefs, with panicking, and God reminded me of his faithfulness right here. Hebrews 6, verse 9, it says, Beloved. It starts out, Beloved. Some, some of you ladies, that's all you need to hear today is that you are his beloved. You are his daughter. He wants to care for you. Beloved, we are convinced of better things. Who in here is thankful for better things? Mm-hmm concerning you and things that accompany salvation for God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name the love you have shown towards his name this can be simple this can be well, how do you show his name at work how do you show his name when you're changing diapers when you're doing making dinner doing laundry it can be something very big I remember um, I think Christy Wagner is going to have to remind me about this. I, um, I think it was 10 years ago. Was it 10 years when we went to camp together? 
And um, a dear friend of hers, Miss Renee, had just passed away. And I think she chose, she chose to sacrifice. Her heart was broken. Her heart was broken, but she was going to bring all of these children, including Renee's children, to camp in order to sacrifice her own comfort for their for these, for these children, so that they would know the truth of God, that they would have tangible arms to wrap around them. She showed toward the name of Jesus. Thank you, Christy. And having ministered and in still ministering to the saints, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. One of those promises is the promise of hope. How many of y'all love that God keeps his promises? Yes. And we have to be diligent to the very end to pursue it. We have to look for it just like I did my daughter Hope. We can't just sit around and wait for it. We have to go find it. We have to go do something. So how do we find hope in the storms of life? I want to share a little bit about my search and I, I still have my moments. I don't want, to, I want you to think, well, she's arrived, because I have not. Even now, I'll, I'll feel myself, this anxiety welling up in me every now and then, and I have to go to my prayer closet, and I have to say, God, I know that you have this. I have to go to my journal. I have to go to my friends and say, I am struggling. Can you pray for me? So I want us to realize the full assurance of hope, and that's our prayer for you tonight. The author of Hebrews is unknown. Some people think that it might be Paul or Luke but it is written to the Jewish Christians as a means of breaking the bonds of rules and religion and replacing them with the grace of Jesus, which is good because I've needed a whole lot of grace this year, a whole lot of grace. Um, and after Molly died a few years ago, uh, I, just, I would have to sit in my bathroom to cry, to weep. And I would sit on the toilet trying to close the door, and as you can imagine, 60 tiny fingers coming under the door <laughs> and knocking Mom, Mom, I need to use the bathroom. I need a juice box. Can you help me? And I would just be in there crying, trying to grieve. And, um, and so here I am, and then in comes Zuzu. And I was like, Zuzu, I'm so sorry. I need some privacy right now. And she goes, well, no, I need to speak with you in private. And I was like, okay, what do you want to talk about? And she goes, well, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? And I was like, go wait outside. And then comes Coco, the next in line. She comes in, and she sees the box of feminine products there on the ground, and she goes, you've got popsicles in here. <laughs> and then she, it gets better. She goes, my hands are high, my feet are low, and this is how I popsicle. And like, she starts like, doing this entire song, and I'm still crying, like still crying. And I'm laughing a little bit, but mostly crying. <laughs> so... But ladies, when I was in the thick of my grief, I just had to soak myself in God's word. I had to go to him and, with my ugly cry and just let it out. Like Paula said, God will meet you there. Ladies, his plan for you is good. His plan for you is good. It might not feel good right now, but it's just like Pastor Rick says that many times God is more concerned with our character than our comfort. Our character than our comfort. I love that beginning song we sang where it said, I don't want to be afraid every time I face the waves. Because guess what? I still have six kids. And so waves will come up. You know, uh, just the other night, J.O. said, I have a headache. And immediately after walking through this thing, I think, 
We've got to go get a CT scan. We've got to figure this out. And I have to be reminded, okay, Tanner, bring it down, bring it down. Or if someone makes a poor choice, I'm like, oh, Lord, help us. I don't want to be bailing anyone out anytime soon. <laughs> you know, of jail, okay. But um, so with my six kids, I, I think God, God is more concerned with my character than my comfort. Like Cody was saying about holiness, hmm. He, he's working on me. He must have known I needed a lot of work because I needed, I have this constant barrage of like, here, you can be humbled. Now you are humbled again. Now you are humbled again. And so recently, actually two weeks ago, Rick called, that's Corey's boss, and he kept calling and calling. And finally, I was like, Rick, we've got a situation over here. He'll call you in a second. And, uh, and finally, um, I, we call him back and I have to tell him, I'm really sorry. But we were cleaning out the boys' rooms, and we found a gallon of sweet tea. And I was like, why do you have sweet tea in your room? And, uh, and he was like, that's not sweet tea. That's my pee-pee jug. <laughs> a gallon. And it was full. It was full. And then it's, like, very dark. Sorry, this is too much information. It's very dark. But I was like, we've got to go to the kidney doctor. <laughs> That was the first thing I thought. And then he was like, nah, I just put some black paint in there. <laughs> Urine and black paint. It's mixed media. And so, uh, and I was like, why did you think this would be a good idea? And he was like, I don't know, I just thought it'd be a good activity. And so he and his brother has been peeing in this jug. And so let me tell you about humility right there. I'm sorry. Y'all stop giving me off track. Let's go back to the word. Okay. <laughs> Hebrews 6, verse 16 says, People swear by someone greater than themselves, and an oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature, that's his character, the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath, and God did this so that we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. We have to take hold of it. It's our choice. We can be encouraged because he keeps his promises. When life is hard, we need to look at the truth of God's character, speaking out his attributes even out loud. A dear friend of mine lost her 12-year-old son. Her name is Jamie Walker. He would have been 18 this year. And um, she said, life is hard, but God is good. Life is hard, but God is good. And for someone who's walked through that tragedy, and that's the song of her heart, I think, God, when I'm in the storm, I want to be saying that same thing. Where can God show himself faithful to you? You know, where has he shown himself faithful to you? in the past, write it down. Make the memorial to say, okay, he's been faithful with this. He's going to be faithful in the future. I had to start keeping a journal of what I was thankful for. I had to see him in my circumstances to just write down the things I was thankful for. I love this old hymn by Helen Lemel as a reminder. It says, oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Sing that next part with me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I love that hymn, and 
walking through these tragedies, I had to sing that daily to be reminded, where should my eyes be? Where should my eyes be? I needed to be encouraged during this time, and God used his word, and God used friendships with real Jesus-loving women to draw me out of this pit, to come and get me and ambush me with prayer, to invite me to life groups. You never know how powerful an invitation might be until you make it, until you know, you might not even know what storm somebody's walking through until you make that invitation. You know, maybe you're in that same spot. Let me tell you, friend, that Jesus can be trusted with your brokenness. Jesus can be trusted with your brokenness. I had to memorize these verses and say them over and over to myself this past year. And I challenge you to do the same, whether you're in the pit or you're on the mountaintop. Lamentations 3, 22 through 26. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. C.S. Lewis said that God whispers in our pleasures, but shouts in our pain. Whispers in our pleasures, but shouts in our pain. So we, let's be ready to listen. What is he trying to teach us right now? With what, if whether we're walking through a storm or whether we're helping someone walking through their storm. I love Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband was murdered on the mission field. She said that God's story never ends in ashes. God's story never ends in ashes. God taught me through a young man named Zach. And I met Zach at church, um, but it was obvious that he had lived a very hard life. And um, about a year before this event, he had gotten in a terrible four-wheeler accident and should have died. Through the course of 18 surgeries and chronic pain, he would be faithfully coming to church faithfully coming to church. And so I was sitting next to Zach one day when the pastor, it was really cute, um, he said, I want everybody to gather in groups and pray. And I don't know, <laughs> I'm always feeling like, oh, I feel so awkward, I feel so awkward, can't you just keep talking? And, uh, and so we gather in groups, and I'm like, well, it's time for me to do my pastor-wife duty and just pray a beautiful prayer and, you know, just be so holy and inspire everyone with my prayer. And so we gather in our group, and I pray my beautiful flowery prayer. And then Zach prays his, his prayer, and he just said, God, thanks for today, because we don't know what tomorrow holds. So help me to be thankful for today. And, and I was just rocked because I realized that I was living in overwhelming fear of what could happen. And Zach was living in overwhelming thankfulness of what he had right now. Overwhelming thankfulness of what he had. His eyes were on Jesus. He had turned his eyes on Jesus. He was living out Romans 5, 3 through 4, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, does not put us to shame. Zach had his eyes on Jesus. Hope is found in the character of who God is. Hope is found in the character of who God is. He is the hope bringer. Who can you be a hope bringer to right now? I love the shirts, hope dealer. Who can you be a hope dealer to this week, this weekend. Let's close by reading Hebrews 6, 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Don't you love this verse? It's such a comforting reminder of such a basic truth that is so hard to live out. 
My husband, Corey, grew up in New Orleans. And growing up in New Orleans, they sailed all the time, and I did not. And so as we got married, we went on a little honeymoon, and he's trying to teach me all about the sailing on the honeymoon. I still could not tell you a thing except for the anchor. I remember the anchor because the anchor is only used when you're out to sea, and it is a must-have for when the storms hit. So if you're in the harbor, you just tie up to the dock, no problem. And some of you right now, you might be feeling like you're like, okay, I got this. We're doing pretty good here. But you might be in the harbor, and God's asking you to push out into the ocean, to let go of the harbor, and be ready to use the anchor if a storm comes. Because a storm will come. The storms will come. But what will we use to anchor us in those storms? And so we need to be ready to push out, whether that's, hey, God's calling me to lead a life group. God's calling me to serve in children's ministry. God's calling me to walk across the street and talk to my neighbor and bring her a meal out of the blue and find out what's going on behind her door. How can I serve you? How can I pray for you? How can we be a hope dealer? Cody was a hope dealer to me in this time whenever I was struggling. She would come to me and she would listen to me. She's been on the receiving end of many tearful phone calls from me. And she would listen and she would pray for me. So in your life, when the storms come, what is anchoring you? Are you trying to keep yourself afloat? Or are you clinging to the one who could anchor you? You Hope doesn't get us out of the storm, but it can get us through the storm. What seems like the wilderness to you might be your place of greatest safety. I had to keep a journal and write down a list of my fears and then a list of anchors. A list of anchors from God's word that I knew would to be true. Let's go on in verse 19. It says, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who had gone before us, entered on our behalf. Remember that the author is speaking to a Jewish audience so they would know all about the temple and every, every part of the temple. And the curtain to the Holy of Holies was about the width of your hand. It's not your mama's draperies. That tore right down the middle showing that Christ has crossed every barrier for our good, for, for our hope. You know, because of Jesus, we have hope. You know, what storm are you facing right now? Is it divorce? Is it anxiety? Is it a wayward child? Is it sickness or a diagnosis? Is it heartache or loneliness? Know that he is waiting to help you, ladies. The Lord is waiting to help you. He longs to hold you in his arms and to, re- for, to remind you that he is gonna, he's, never, he's not going anywhere. He will never leave or forsake us. Because he knows that we struggle with fears. I do. Fears, who will take care of me? Will anyone ever love me? Am I good enough? Will they judge me? What will happen to my children or my grandchildren? He wants to quiet those fears with his word. But we've got to run to him. We have to make the choice to run to him. And so, ladies, tonight, I just want to close and talk about Gideon, to remind you of a story about Gideon in the Bible. And honestly, I could have used any story from all over this room, from Paula, Dana, Liz, all the women in here, any story in the Bible to show how God can breathe hope into a hopeless situation. So as we join Gideon, if you have your Bible, flip on over to Judges 6. 
And as we see Gideon, we see that he's hiding. He's hiding from the Midianites who had been in power for seven years. And so he's hiding out, scared and afraid. And God says in verse 12, he says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He called greatness out of Gideon before Gideon did anything great. You know, who can we be someone to call greatness out of? Who can we call greatness out of that might not even be walking in greatness? Who can you do that for? I think it's so easy to think, well, they just don't deserve it. But go ahead and speak hope into that. Speak hope into your husband. Speak hope into a coworker. Speak hope into a neighbor. Call greatness out of them before it's ever happened. So if you go to the story, Gideon didn't buy it. He starts arguing with God and starts telling him, this is hopeless. This is hopeless. And you know, that might be how you feel right now, is that you have a hopeless situation, and it's just going to get worse. But in Judges 6.16, I love that he says, But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. How comforting. You know, Gideon was facing an army of 135,000 men. And then, here we go, he had 32,000 men. So the odds are already stacked against him. And then that's whittled down by asking for the willing men to come, 10,000 men. So all of a sudden, 10,000 versus 135,000 men, the odds are not in his favor. It looks hopeless. And then they go to a spring, and just like Cody said, where the spring represents the Holy Spirit, they made an effort to get to the spring. They had to go there. Gideon had to be obedient. And as the men, I brought a picture of my husband. We were just in Israel, and we were able to see this spring. This is Gideon's spring, Herod's spring. It still flows today. So ladies, sometimes when you feel like, well, that's good for then, but let me tell you, the Holy Spirit still flows today. We just have to ask him to be in our daily lives, to show up, to show us what to do, what to say, what to pray. And so through the spring, he asked all the men to bend down and to drink the water. And how they drink the water determines whether they make the team or not. And so then they get down to 300 men who did this, who drank it with their eyes up, their eyes on their leader. You know, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. That is how we're going to find hope, ladies. We turn our eyes upon Jesus. We gather our women, the ones sitting right next to you, the ones in our life group. We ask them to pray for us. We go to his word. We memorize his word, and we go cry to him in prayer. We go cry out to him in prayer. Isn't it comforting to see that God can have the victory in such when, the, when everything is stacked against us, when it's 300 men versus 135,000 men, God has the victory because he's powerful. He is so powerful. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Ladies, let's keep our eyes fixed on God and ask the Holy Spirit to do a work in us tonight. So when you find yourself like me, feeling sad and alone and broken, First, let's cry out to the Lord, meditate on his word, and then call these ladies next to you and say, pray for me. I need you. He will anchor us in the storm. 
Let's bow our heads.